everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. <laughs> We're here to, back in the studio. We're excited to get into it again this week. Uh, we've got a, a good one for you. We're going to talk about the very first two episodes of Monday Night Raw, number one and number two, all the way back from 1993. So we hope you've enjoyed our recent episodes on uh, Capital Punishment. That was a We Were There episode on WrestleMania 24, a.k.a. your first WrestleMania in high definition. Uh, and we hope you'll stick around and, uh, and get into this one with us. So that siren you hear going is... Uh, just to let you know that Monday Night Raw is on, and we're in the Manhattan Center. There's a lot of yelling, and we are excited. Are you excited, right. Rich? I'm excited because we're live. We're raw. <laughs> we're uncut. As hey, who told you that? As <laughs> hey, he stopped peeking. Uh, as they remind us every thirty seconds during the shows. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't want anybody to forget. But this is live. Also, it's from New York City. Also, it's Monday night. It's Monday night. And it's, it's raw. It's very raw. <laughs> um, this is, you know, I tell you, just at the, not to give anything away here, but these were uh, these were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching these. Um, I don't think I was watching when these came on originally, so I missed, you know, I missed the uh, initial debut of Raw. Um, but I probably started paying attention not too long after this, to be honest, um, because at least the look and feel kind of, seemed familiar a little bit to me yeah these are are some special episodes for me these are i mean like i i have told the story multiple times in several episodes this this first episode that we watched january 11th 1993 is the episode that my mom found and and infamously called down to me to tell me that wrestling was on and i should turn it on and uh and that's when i turned in to see coco beware versus yokozuna in a very brief match um <laughs> very brief very brief but you know this is this is the start of it all like while this isn't uh wwf's first prime time like television show they used to have wwf prime time which <laughs> began airing in and uh 1985 and it aired right up to the week before uh monday night raw and monday night wow. raw replaced it um, what night was that on uh, i think it moved around some but i okay. do believe it was on it was at least on mondays at the very end of its run uh, was it in prime time it was and so it was actually like kind of more of like a talk show with wrestling clips added in and they would have roundtable discussions of the current feuds and stuff like that and so that's what made monday night raw so different to all the previous wrestling presentations was that the storylines played out before you it wasn't like old wrestling shows to where they would show you the match from a house show and then they'll talk about like, oh, well, you know, they're getting angry at each other because blah, blah, blah. He cost them the title, blah, 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 blah kind of stuff. You literally saw everything in the storytelling. Yeah, it was a it was a show rather than tell, which is way more compelling. Um, I mean, my initial you know, wrestling product of choice as a as a kid would have been uh, the superstars of wrestling, which aired on Saturday mornings, at least in our market. Um, and it was like you said, it was uh, there were some studio segments that were all pre-taped, and then there were matches that were taped from various venues during the week or weeks prior. Um, and they just sort of filled you in on the storyline around the edges, but right. You've got, it brings it, uh, almost like a soap opera, right? Like you're right. You're finding out what's happening as, as the characters are finding out what's happening. So there's kind of a, an extra element of suspense and excitement to it that way. Right. And many of these shows were also live. So you didn't know what was going to happen, which was also very different. The other thing that I would watch as a, as a as a kid was the uh, the studio wrestling from Jim Crocker Promotions and World World Championship Wrestling with that classic uh, Earth shot space background and all the all the Ric Flair promos there and the Arn Arn Anderson uh, Four Horsemen classic stuff and the in studio wrestling like it was all shot on a sound stage and you would have the rock and roll express come out and beat someone up for 30 seconds. And then the crowd goes crazy with the double drop kick. Um, but this is, this is cold. And they, the, the start of the very first Monday night raw is exactly that it's a cold open with no theme music. 
no no nothing just sean mooney outside of the manhattan center uh arguing with bobby heenan because bobby heenan has been replaced <laughs> and he's trying to get into the building and he's been banned that's a that's a fun little spot and it continues through the first episode yeah. and into the second episode um curious about how many episodes beyond that it can it goes but uh we know at least Bobby doesn't get in that building for the first two anyway. Right. And that was, and so that was a big, big thing was that like Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon are no longer hosting and carrying you through the wrestling show. You now have live ringside commentary that is helping you tell the story. Actually, uh, shades of Saturday Night Live, I thought in sort of the presentation, uh, both with the cold open and then when they do go to the credits, just the look and the feel and the music, um, the sort of the graphics, and you know, some of it may just be the time, um, but they have a video of, I, I wrote down Razor Ramon, Undertaker, and Bret Hart, all you know, kind of cut in with the credits. Yeah. Um, so you are you know who their big their big stars are. This is. Uh, you know, it's a pretty impressive top of the roster for this particular period of time. Um, so it's it's a cool it's a cool product. Like I can imagine yeah. watching this at the time and being sort of instantly hooked and wanting to know what's going to happen next. Yeah, I, I that is an interesting thing that you mentioned with uh, the comparison to Saturday Night Live, uh, just because the so like the theme music is very similar to, mm-hmm. to like the saturday mm-hmm. night live theme very saxophone heavy little rock and roll kind of cool sound it's a little edgy it's a little counterculture it's underground feeling especially that crowd is is fired up and it's young and it's a little out of control feeling yeah. uh so it definitely has has a real kind of snl feel to it and you know it's airing on usa which is uh, part of the NBC network family. And so I wonder if there was any kind of consideration with, with someone like um, uh, Dick Ebersol or something like that, who was a producer of SNL and was the head of like NBC sports. If there was any kind of consideration with them about production as well. So. Yeah, it seems, it seems possible. Um, yeah. That crowd is nuts. There's some really bitching mullets in that crowd, even for New York. It's, you know, I was kind of surprised. Um, the announcing trio on this one is Vince, of course. Randy Savage is here. And Heenan's replacement is a guy named Rob Bartlett, who apparently is a, a comedian. I'm going to put that in quotation marks. And a radio host. And I, I guess he's done some other things through the years. Um, and I have to say, I enjoyed 90-something percent of this. Uh, these shows. The announcing is, is far and away the worst part. Uh, it's definitely the part where you see like the, the kind of them f- trying to figure it out and get it right. Um, but you know, this ain't it chief. <laughs> yeah. The, the, um, Rob Bartlett actually has kind of an interesting little career that like, I am surprised to see after, uh, this presentation of him on raw, they actually keep him around for about three months on raw, despite being, uh, not really liked. <laughs> apparently also objectively terrible <laughs> but like he also did broadway shows uh wow. he played amos hart in chicago he was herman in sweet charity he was the original mr mushnick in the broadway production of little shop of horrors hmm. and he was in the odd couple with nathan lane and matthew broderick and uh the one thing that actually my wife probably actually saw that had him in it he was in the 2011 revival of how to succeed in business without really trying and that starred daniel ratcliffe which is the reason why my wife went to see it because <laughs> that's but he was also uh one of the many defense attorneys on law and order svu wow. um i don't think he's been seen in recent seasons in that role but he's he was one of them one of the many <laughs> every like svu is like the united states version of doctor who like every actor that is american <laughs> has been on svu law and order just like every british actor has been on doctor who yeah so he's actually been been around and like he originally was like an impressionist and comedian on the imus in the morning radio show um but I'm a Howard Stern fan, so uh, Imus can get fucked. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not great here. We'll call out some of his antics a little bit. Oh he's just God. he's just trying a little too hard, you know. He's we've talked a little bit about heel commentators on other shows and how sometimes there, there's room for heel commentary to 
to be kind of in the mix and fun. Um, there's also a level of obnoxiousness where it really takes away from the product. And I think it, he gets pretty close here and probably steps over that line a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not even being a, like a heel commentator. He's being just, he's there to be offensive and raw. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what he's doing. So he's trying to present offensive, edgy humor into, into the show. And it just, it's just not working because it's not leaving Macho Man much room to deliver whether it was going to be heel or face commentary. It's unclear. And Vince is just yelling constantly yeah. and forcing. <laughs> yeah. And like shoehorning in company taglines that he wrote before this. So. Well, yeah, we're yeah. a long way from uh, from good old JR. That's for sure. That um, definitely JR is still <laughs> with Jim Crockett Promotions at this point. Colin letting his Southern accent really ring through. And there's some there's a few a few moments where Macho Man sort of has the kinds of interactions that he has with uh, with our buddy Art Donovan. Yeah, <laughs> from King of the Ring, where he has to explain something to uh, to Bartlett that I always enjoyed. He's much, again, he's much more patient with people than you would expect from uh, Randy Savage, but he's like, Oh no, I think, I think actually what's happening here, uh, Art Donovan slash Rob Bartlett is uh, this over here. Yeah. He's very kind. It's very, it's very crazy. It's crazy. Like how polite and kind and caring macho man really comes off in these, uh, in these things that we've seen him not wrestle in. I bet he was a good friend. You know, I bet he was like the kind of guy who would like, you know, they didn't really have texting, but he was the kind of guy who would just like text you when he thought maybe you were having a rough day. Just yeah. say, hey, bro, hey, bro, hang in there. You're doing all right. Yeah, most likely. But if you piss him off, he's going to cut an entire rap album talking shit about you. <laughs> if anybody deserved to have a rap album cut on them, just talking about how terrible that it was, it's Hawk Hogan, you know? He deserves like an entire anthology. Like, like an entire rapper's career could just be based around the shit of horribleness that Hulk Hogan is. <laughs> Did I mention I had it not too long ago? I had a dream where I met Hulk Hogan. We were on like an airplane or something together, and we were talking. And you were talking wrestling, and um, you know he was a cool dude. And I was, I started to like give him our card for the podcast. I'm like, oh man, you know we have this podcast. We talk about WrestleMania. You know we talk. You're on there quite a bit. And then in my dream, I'm like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't give this to it because we just we rip Hogan up and down all the time on the show. Uh, and then maybe he'd listen and get really mad at me. Um, I can't remember if I actually gave him the card or not, but it, it definitely occurred to me in my dream. This is this is clearly a scenario that's going to happen in real life. That's why I was dreaming about it. Were you in your underwear during this? Uh, probably. <laughs> that's a good thing about hanging out with wrestlers. They're always in their underwear, so you don't feel awkward, you know? Yeah, they're used to it. They're used to looking at you. So. All right. So do you want to talk some of the matches here? Yeah, let's let's get There's, into this uh, first match. Yeah, there's three, four on this first episode. I'll just say they're all fairly short. They're all basically squash matches, um, which seems weird now because we've been used to watching WrestleManias where everything is a big thing. But if you think about this in terms of a weekly show like Superstars of Wrestling, 90-something percent of those were always, were basically squash matches, right? Like it was always getting the star over um, and you use, you know, a lower level star or you use uh, enhancement talent to do that. So it's not necessarily uh, an unusual approach here. No, they're, they're definitely, these matches are serving a different purpose than what like any of the pay-per-view matches are. These matches are serving to in, either introduce you to the talent, to put the talent over in some way to build heat and to progress grudges without actually having matches with each other which is something aew should go back and and look at these just <laughs> to just to learn that like you don't need to blow off uh feuds that start on week one on week two you don't need to do that you can you can have them have matches against other people and have the and still have the tension build to push towards a like either a pay-per-view or even just a named TV special. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's what these matches are serving as. And the very first one, and it's an honor that they are the very first Monday Night Raw matches. And it's Coco Beware versus Yokozuna. Hell to the yeah. I knew you'd be excited. Um, Yokozuna looks looks great. Bartlett drops some edgy, I'm going to put that in quotes, commentary about how fat Yokozuna is. I don't know if you knew that he was fat, but apparently it's what? hilarious. 
a sumo wrestler is huge? What? Yeah. No. <laughs> Apparently, there's no Japanese word for leftover as one of the choicer gems. Um, yeah. Uh, which, also, uh, ass like an amphitheater. That doesn't make sense. No. Uh, but that got Macho Man laughing, at least, which kind of <laughs> kind of made me chuckle. <laughs> like, that's the one. That's the one that tickled Macho Man. Uh, but Macho Man also on commentary is very confused about how Yokozuna operates without a zipper in <laughs> in his tights or pants. Uh, and then Rob Bartlett uh, says about Coco Beware, I wondered where Gary Coleman went. Oh, um, ouch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some. And then at one point later in the match, he goes, what you talking about, Yoko? Um, Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the one line that left the commentary completely speechless. And like, I think Vince almost fired Bartlett on the spot for that one. And he said, that is one big butted Asian racial slur. Wow. And um, Vince goes, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like he drops out of the Vince McMahon voice and everything. Like he doesn't know what to do. Like he is very close to firing Bartlett because, like, this is kind of a pilot episode. Yeah, you know? for real. Like, you know, all the shows are live, so it's not like they got like eight of them in the can already that the network's already agreed to. They can just be like, "Well, you're live. We'll we'll put in a rerun of Perfect Strangers to, <laughs> or something just to just get you out of here." We'll put on um, uh, different strokes, which is apparently Bartlett's favorite show. Right. Uh, and then they also suggest that Yokozuna ate Frankie the parrot because Coco came down with a oh. parrot. Yeah, I was going to say, this is post-parrot Coco Beware. This is where he's wearing his crazy hammer pants and uh, I think tag teaming with Owen Hart about this time, right? Right. So um, he actually comes to the ring with Owen Hart's theme music. Oh, I totally missed that. I get distracted by those pants. They look like He looks like a, a rodeo clown. Um I don't know who told those them that those were like hip hop pants or whatever they're supposed to be, but those are those are rodeo clown pants, bro. Uh, but this is uh you know this is a short one. Uh, Coco gets some decent drop kicks, but then you know Yokozuna runs through that big leg drop, the corner splash, the bonsai drop in the corner. Yeah. R.I.P. Coco's sternum. That leg drop always gets the crowd. <laughs> I love brutal. it so much. Like it's the brutal. crowd, the crowd went silent, and then. Oh, and then they cheered. They were bloodthirsty. Like this crowd is amped. This crowd is hungry for violence. And I'm pretty sure that it is this opening Monday Night Raw crowd that convinced Vince McMahon that he needs to make things edgier and go towards the Attitude Era stuff. Like this crowd is, if if Vince doesn't kill somebody in the ring in this night, the crowd is going to do it. Like they are that fired up. Yeah, New York was rough in the '90s, man. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was that was a decent start. Uh, decent start to the match. There's an ad for the Royal Rumble, which is coming up. We're back to Heenan outside. He still can't get in the building. He cuts this really good promo for the Narcissus talking to Mister Perfect. So this is an interesting little thing. Like he's he's not the wrestler who's going to be facing Mister Perfect on obviously, but he's talking up his guy, the Narcissus. Uh, and he's, you know, he's we haven't about seen him. yet. We haven't, we haven't seen yet. He's talking about him in sort of vague terms, but he does say that comparing um, the narcissist to Mr. Perfect would be like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Spoiler alert. The narcissist is Lex Luger. So, and he yeah. debuts Lex Luger at the Royal Rumble, I believe. And he doesn't even fight. It's just this little stage. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you. The narcissist, and it's like it's just a little stage with like three mirrors around it, like a fitting room. <laughs> and and Lex is standing there posing in a cape, and then that's it. He doesn't fight. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, he and uh, Heenan also gets this the line that Ric Flair and I both agree that even Michelangelo could not capture the perfection of the narcissist. What a line! What so, a fucking he's line. so fucking good. <laughs> Bobby Heenan. I'm glad that he, even though he's not on the mic and he sort of missed there, his his presence here is is gold. Um, he will we'll see a little bit more from him. The next match is the Steiner brothers, who are looking mean as hell, versus the Executioners, who are two mask jobbers. And under those masks, I don't know if you looked this up, or is uh, Dwayne Gill, aka Gilberg. Oh wow! 
and a guy named Barry Hardy, a.k.a. nobody knows who that is, but Gilberg. <laughs> Gilberg. <laughs> Bartlett doesn't know which Steiner is which, so that's his little Art Donovan moment there. Um, Rich, your favorite wrestler, Doink, is in the audience for this one. <laughs> he's like pull, he's in the crowd, like pulling tricks and shit yeah. on the audience. It's so good, and like it, it, like you barely can even watch the match. Um, all you see really out of this match are the Steiners landing a Frankensteiner that nearly kills these damn jobbers. They, oh my god, those guys are both fucking beasts. They're so strong. Yeah, uh, Scott does this like overhead German suplex thing where he like fucking bends himself like all the way over practically and puts his head on the mat. Yeah. Um, that was terrifying. I mean, I know the executioner guy probably weighs like 175, but still like, yeah, I, I know. I don't know if I ever noticed that basically the Frankensteiner is the, it's the doomsday device with the guy sitting the other direction basically. Yeah. So he gets bulldogged into the canvas instead of like clotheslined into the canvas, which is right. like, twice as, twice as tough. All right, but it's probably actually safer because you're not doing a flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like you know, the Road Warriors didn't give a shit. They're they're there to actually hurt you and to possibly try to kill you. So, um, yeah. So the Steiners roll on to victory. Uh, we get the Michigan fight song, yay! yay. And then um, we get another segment outside, <laughs> uh, and this time. It's a woman claiming to be uh, Rob Bartlett's aunt that needs to get into the building to see Rob immediately. And Mooney discovers that that woman is Bobby Heenan. Spoiler alert. Oh, Bobby. Bobby is now dressed as a woman trying to get into the building. And he's like hitting Mooney with a purse and and still keeping the high shrill voice going, even though like he's been completely discovered. Um, it's a pretty humorous moment. I say he wears that makeup pretty well. He's, yeah, uh, he looks good. He looks good. I mean, um, he's no uh, what was her name? Miss Atlanta, Rod, Rob, Ron Garvin. Oh yeah, <laughs> no Ronnie Garvin dressed as a woman, but you know Heenan's making it work. You yeah, know. he's a he's more Mrs. Dowfire than um than uh, uh whatever her name is than RuPaul. Yeah, so. yeah. But anyway, that's fun. Hello. <laughs> yeah, then we get a uh, an interview with Razor Ramon. Holy shit, what a stud! Again. Yeah. Oh. Is this? He's oozing machismo, as they like to say. That's um, for sure. Yeah. Among other mean, things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if machismo is just like grease and sweat, but it's working. Um, and he he cuts his promo against Bret Hart because him and Bret Hart are going to be having a match at the upcoming Royal Rumble for the title. And Razor is like, I might not be able to get to you, Bret, but I'm able to get to Owen. And then they show footage of Razor beating up Owen in the locker room. And so like, you're getting this, like you're actually seeing the story unfold before you. And, and this is one of those great examples with, with, with what raw has done to change wrestling so quickly yeah this is a this is a great segment uh this was i knew you'd be excited about that yeah um we don't get any uh razor ramon wrestling on this particular episode but it's but that's okay because he's there so yeah um the, the next match is Shawn michaels versus uh, and i just i didn't catch the name at first i had to go look it up and i just wrote down um tron i think he's wrestling tron um turns out this guy's name is max moon uh, aka conan um, conan a very young conan in a i'm just gonna put futuristic in quotes costume yeah. um he looks like tron uh tron cosplay a little bit yeah um, this didn't last long <laughs> It didn't last long. There's a commercial break in the middle of this match that almost yeah. like seems to sneak up on Vince. Did you see that? Yeah. So they had production <laughs> issues with that. It comes out of nowhere that it's a promo for this Headlock for Hunger charity event that they're having. And it's like Tatanka talking to us about making sure people don't starve and, you know, he's going to beat people up. And then like, and it is this the one that also has like the, the Undertaker in it? Uh, no, that one's later. There's another one uh, in the in the next episode that's the Undertaker that the Undertaker just says nobody should starve to death. <laughs> Thanks, Undertaker. I, I I prefer to kill them myself. Right. <laughs> uh, 
Anyways, yeah. Max Moon versus Shawn Michaels. It's it's over. I wrote yeah. I wrote down here. I says I realize I don't have much to say about the wrestling here, but it almost seems not the point. It's the whole package. You know, it's the getting the stars on TV. It's presenting the spectacle. It's creating an uh, entertainment product. Not necessarily. It's a wrestling show, but only sort of nominally, right? Like it's it's very it's fascinating to watch it. Yeah, I, think I, I texted you that this shit is programmed tighter and better than the average aew episode for sure like yeah. there's there's now granted we don't have the commercials here because we're watching on the peacock so we don't have to suffer through that but there's more just sort of i don't know pop per uh minute um than your average dynamite episode these days through this the commentary is barely paying attention to this match bartlett tells some sort of weird joke about like the WWF is going to be retelling the Amy Fisher story. It's like that Bobby Heenan is going to be Joey Budafuco or something like that. And like, it's this, it's this weird. And then they keep saying that raw is uncut, uncensored, uncooked. Um, Wait, right. They keep the saying that over and over again. And then at some point, Bartlett decides to impersonate Mike Tyson watching mm. this match and that he's calling in from prison. That he's watching mm. in prison. Um. Yeah. Hmm. We'll just and keep moving. This is an interesting Shawn Michaels match, though, because this is still early Shawn Michaels to where, um, he doesn't do the quote-unquote super kick as his finisher. It's one of his setup moves, and it's called a savant kick at this point. So it's gone from <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon calling it a reverse crescent kick to Vince and Macho Man calling it a savant kick. And before it's a super kick. And then Sean's finisher is actually this weird side suplex slam as his finisher. And that's what he uses to finish off Max Moon. Um, yeah. Thanks for and, coming, Max Moon. Get on yeah. back to your video game world. Yeah. And then Shawn Michaels cuts a little promo and says, this face has broken so many homes. Which I, <laughs> which I actually thought was a pretty clever fun yeah, that's line pretty out good. of him. There's, go uh, there's. There's more doink during this match too. This is yes. This is a, a doink filled episode. I was I was digging it honestly. Um, there's a Royal Rumble report uh, with Mean Gene. Get a couple of promos in there. Um, Mr. Perfect, Yokozuna, Hexel, Jim Duggan are all in the mix. Ho! <laughs> we go back out to Mooney. I don't know how I feel about this one. Now Heenan's trying to get in while uh, while uh, via dressing like a Hasidic Jew and doing a. Uh, yes. A serious uh, acidic Jew accent that I'm not sure how we're supposed to feel about in the year 2022. Well, I mean, it's New York. They're there somewhere, right? <laughs> you know, uh, no, this is it's it's just raw trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. And when that happens, that just comes off as as offensive. <laughs> yeah, at least he didn't dress up like a you know, like an American Indian chief or something, you know, that's, that would have been worse. No, that would have been horrible. Um, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, we get like a video of uh, a house show. So it's, it's still this relic hanging in there from previous wrestling programming that they show us a, a video of Slick trying to stop Kim Chi from abusing Kamala. But then Kamala turns on Slick, but then Kamala turns on Kim Chi as well. So it's a uh, it's an interesting little little thing, and he turns on Harvey Whippleman as well. So, it, but it's all footage from like a house show. So yeah. it's it's Kamala turning face. I don't know who was asking for it, but we got it right. And it kind of comes out of nowhere, like it, it's like trying to fill in a storyline that was carried, probably being carried over from primetime wrestling that they've been talking about. Raised tensions between Kamala and Kimchi, and Slick trying to recruit kamala away from them yeah and yeah. never mentioned again nope <laughs> all right we get to the last match it's built built as the main event i guess i don't know um it's the undertaker with paul bearer so i know you're excited versus damian demento aka uh, it's phil thies 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 t-h-e-i-s i don't know how you say his name he uh, also wrestled as mondo clean that was another that's the name that i remembered um he's got this crazy like ming the merciless gimmick um, Bartlett yeah, say, like his head looks like it's sticking out of a mouth or something like that. Like yeah. the shoulder <laughs> things are lined with teeth. 
Bartlett um, did get actually two two good jokes on this guy. He said, one, he said, it looks like he got his hair cut during a power surge. I'm like, okay, I'll take that yeah. one. And then when they when they give the name Damien Demento, he says, well, at least he's using his real name. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one got me a little bit. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I also loved the dot matrix printout of yes! Rest in Peace. Yes. That like took like 10 people to hold up. Yes, and probably took like fucking 48 hours to print. Yeah. Mom, don't turn off the computer. I'm printing. <laughs> and it's just like 48 hours of the house being filled with. This over and over again as it prints line by line by line. The dog's barking. People yeah. crying. Dad's loading the shotgun. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, so I mean, this is a main event because it's two named people facing it against each other, but they treat Damien like a like a jobber, which is kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. There's the the usual classic Undertaker moves. He walks the ropes, he does the choke, and gets a quick tombstone. And I actually had to back it up because it sort of ends before I realized it had started. <laughs> yeah, I was it's like I was trying to do two things at once. I'm like, oh shit, that's just that's over already. Yeah, the main event is the shortest match of the night. And then they then they act like they're wrapping up the show, and they're like, and they and Bartlett and they have like graphics for it and all that is like they claim that Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow in a cage match for the next episode. Edgy. Like, what? What? It's raw, Rich. It's edgy and raw. It's uncooked, uncensored. <laughs> yeah, it's raw as <laughs> raw as my butthole after fourteen chili cheese dogs. And so that feels like it's going to be the end, but then we have Crush coming out to convent, uh, confront Doink, who's been fucking around with the audience all night. And making children cry. That's the big thing they keep saying. Uh, yeah. Is that Doink is making children cry, and he's been told explicitly not to make the children cry, even on the edgiest show on television. Right. Bretta. Bretta. Bra. Bretta. Bra. Crush. Bretta. Yeah. Crush calls Doink Bra like 400 times during this like 30 second segment. He, he's the uh, he's the proto Owen Wilson. He's amazing. Uh, this <laughs> he's is great. why they didn't let him talk in demolition. <laughs> he has a bizarre accent. I assume it's like a, a Hawaiian thing. I don't know. I would assume um, so because I mean he is actually Hawaiian. So yeah, he's the Hawaiian Crush and brother. And he uh, tells Doink brother, I don't care about your arm injury, brother. I'm going to beat you up. You need to stop making the children cry, brother. Brother. <laughs> brother, you're in trouble, bro. Brother, you're in trouble. I'm going to beat you up, brother. <clears throat> so this is the start of the, you know, the crush doink feud of legend that gets at, uh, what's, what <gasps> WrestleMania is that? Where That's WrestleMania the... 9, the double doinks. Yeah, double doinks. Man. And they mirror each other in the ring. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, top notch top notch and then that is what they use to end the show which is kind of a weird way to end the show Um, yeah right as the credits are about to roll uh, mooney tells heenan that he can finally get inside now he he lets the security guard wave him in and uh and then they go immediately to the credits and cut to black so what a sucker apparently there's a a dark match of uh crush versus bam bam bigelow that's not on the peacock oh man that actually be pretty damn good i know um yeah did you notice uh, in a couple of the camera shots, there was uh, some very well dressed folks in like three piece suits and nice dresses in the balcony. Um, <laughs> and it made I was wondering if there were maybe like network executives there to witness the first the first show to make sure that nothing goes too crazy or anything like that because they're just giving Vince McMahon open live air. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, fortunately, they probably couldn't hear the commentary up there, right? Yeah. So, from their perspective, it probably looked all right. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> There's yeah, a, a, a weird clown in the in the audience yeah. screwing around with people. <laughs> squirting hope them with you guys water. like clowns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a... It's a fucking knockout for the first episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's a little bit of weird production stuff, and it's there's some, like, awkwardness, but, like... It's, uh, you know, I would be, I'd be hooked. I, if I watched that and the second episode and I were an executive, I'd be like, yes, 200 more episodes of this. Um, cause they could probably produce some dirt cheap. They take up an hour. They don't, they're not, they'll, they'll pull in advertisers for that, you know, key demographic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be ridiculously cheap for them to actually produce. It's just an hour of airtime and it's in a small theater in New York. 
for for quite a while before they start taking it on the road. They they start moving around. Um, just fun stats about uh, Raw in general that Monday Night Raw has been broadcast live from 208 different arenas. Wow. 171 different cities and towns in 10 different countries, including mm-hmm. the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Afghanistan, Iraq, South Africa, Germany, Japan, Italy, and Mexico. So, Have they hit all 50 states? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't imagine they've been to Alaska or Hawaii. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just fucking expensive to get, get stuff there to do it, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, but, like, just starting off in the Grand Ballroom at the Manhattan Center... Which is just a small little theater, and then, and then eventually they, for a while, they discover that it's really difficult to do live every week. So they start taping some in advance, and like every third show ends up being live. So, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I wonder if we'll be able to tell when the switch is made if I if I sit down and watch some more of these. Probably because you'll probably notice the same people, and also in that first Monday Night Raw in the front row. Superfan Vladimir is there. Oh, is he? That's awesome. Yeah, he's there. Um, do you think, did they sell tickets to this or did they give them away like uh, Saturday Night Live or like um, Letterman or something? I think they actually sold the tickets for this. Like it was, it was sold as a, as an actual event. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the, this is, this is, I'm, I'm sure there are some comp tickets in there. I'm sure. Sure. There always is. There always is. Episode number two, January eighteenth. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Um, I was actually just looking for the results of uh of episode two to see if there were other um dark matches. Let's see here. The webpage that has these results is not great. There's an awful lot of Okay, here we go. So yeah, so uh we got the same uh, team on commentary. Heenan is still trying his best to get in this damn building. Um, Bartlett and Savage and uh, Vince are are down the side. They start this one by Bartlett stare, tearing up a picture of Bobby Heenan and saying, fight the real enemy, which you can look that up in Sinead O'Connor and uh, Saturday Night Live right around this time. So edgy. Uh, it's edgy. Uh, it's so edgy. Like, like Law and Order, ripped from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. <laughs> And then he goes over uh, to SVU and he gets ripped from the headlines some more. He's yeah, he's been at the cutting edge all this time. Then Randy Savage gets blindsided by the Repo Man who steals yeah. his hat, which is just uncalled for. And the Repo Man later says that Macho didn't pay for his hat. <laughs> can you repossess a hat? <laughs> Apparently, you can. And like mm-hmm. Macho Man is like really selling up this 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 ambush. He's fucking pissed. Yeah. He's distraught about it the entire night. Yeah, and what what is the worst part of this whole thing is that for a while we're just stuck with Vince and Bartlett on commentary and they don't know what to say to each other. <laughs> Vince has probably given him, uh, you know, sort of under the breath uh, things to not make any more really racist uh, comments. Yeah. So the first match on this card is Mr. Perfect, yay, versus Terrific Terry Taylor, who's not in his Red Rooster gimmick anymore, sadly. Um I don't know. I don't know what happens actually. Flair interferes and Perfect gets the win. Did you take any notes on the actual action though? Uh, it's just that Perfect was dominating most of the match, and like uh, and Mr. Perfect amazing. was like doing this like great like he was moving around the ring and jabbing at Taylor and like keeping him off balance and stuff like that. So it was like really like it was a really good classic Mr. Perfect match of like really like ring tactics and stuff like that. That as they would say. And then during that match, Bobby Heenan calls in on the phone to talk shit about not being on commentary. <laughs> and I agree with him that he should be on commentary. Yeah. I'm glad that they don't give up on that joke after just one episode, though. You know, you've got a good gimmick like that. Let's milk that sucker, you know? Yeah. Um, and this match ends actually with a pretty cool little sequence of events. Uh, Flair ambushes perfect outside the ring. Uh, pushes perfect into the ring. Taylor goes to give him a like a standard suplex, but perfect uh, wiggles and does it like a little reversal and turns it into the perfect plex himself and gets the one, two, three on Terry Taylor. Man, he's so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> There's some ads uh, with Bret Hart is shilling for Ico Pro, which is available at GNC. Probably not anymore. And Macho Man shilling for Slim Jims, which everybody, everybody loves. That's a classic 
add. Yeah. Um, so it's fun, it's fun to see those. They're inter- the Slim Jim thing is actually kind of interesting. So the contract was with Macho Man to do the ads on whatever show Macho Man is on. And so when Macho Man jumps to WCW here in a little bit, the Slim Jim ads start running on Nitro instead of uh, Raw. And so if you ever go and watch Nitro at some point, you will see sli- the same Slim Jim ads that run on <laughs> on Raw here, uh, even though it's like two years later. So hmm. it's a it's a fun little fun little thing to to follow around is where the wherever the Slim Jim ads are is where Macho Man is. So. <laughs> That's funny. I kind of offended that Slim Jim just thinks they can just swap audiences like that, and that all wrestling audiences are going to be into spicy meat stick snacks. I don't think they're wrong. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I like spicy meats next. Anyway, um, there's a Vince and Brett interview next. I'm very excited about this. Uh, he's calling out Razor Ramon as a scumbag. He goes on and on about how, how Razor Ramon's worse than a scumbag. He's like worse than the scum in the bottom of the barrel. You'd actually have to lift up the barrel to see the kind of scum that Razor Ramon is because he's under the barrel. That's that's how scummy he is. Uh, he slapped Brett's father, apparently, who's in his 70s. Yeah. And that, that will not stand, obviously. Yeah, I mean, this stops short of, like, Brett just calling him a human piece of shit. Like, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty cutting words coming out of Brett there. And then this is when we have the Undertaker headlock on hunger. No one should starve to death uh, promo, which is uh, appropriate and yeah. pretty much on the button. Um, yeah, there's, uh, let's see. Yeah, that's the, right. It's the Somalia relief fund is the thing. Um, hunger better watch out. Cause Randy Savage is on the case. Yeah. This is the, this is the period where everybody carried about, cared about Somalia, um, and Mogadishu when like prior yeah. to this, they didn't even know Somalia was a place. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't turn out so well. No. Next up is, I actually wrote down Marty Jannetty versus some dude. Yeah, um, I just wrote is... Marty Jannetty crushes some jobber. <laughs> so it's Glenn Ruth who is, okay, look, check this out. It's Glenn Ruth who's actually uh, the headbanger thrasher. or thrash. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Look at the shit well, you learned cool. on this cool. episode. Yeah. What an educational program we put on here. And so this is to elevate Marty Jannetty, as mm-hmm. as we were talking about. A lot of these matches don't serve to deal with feuds, but to forward them along, to forward the story. And so this match is to elevate Jannetty into his Intercontinental Champion Chip Challenge to Shawn Michaels that is coming up at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I love how short these matches are. I hope, I wish AEW watches the show and takes some fucking notes. Like this, none of these matches go more than. I didn't time them out, but I I guess if if any of them goes over six minutes, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, and that's 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 okay. It's okay. Yeah, you don't you don't need to do all of your moves in every match. And also, the other thing is that that's really impressive is that so Marty Jannetty is challenging for the Intercontinental Title, and they're still lifting him up. And this is almost this is a little more than one year after the the infamous Shawn Michaels kick through the window of Marty Jannetty <laughs> on the barbershop. So that <laughs> happened on January 11th, 1992. And this episode is January 18th, 1993. So they've been letting this simmer for a year. You know, that's, that's unheard of anymore, actually, except for in WWE, where now it takes three years before you can get a match with Roman Reigns. If you, if you call him a bad name. So modern yeah. wrestling, take a look at, take a look. They, <laughs> You know, they're they're making the audience wait, and that makes you tune in every week to see where the story is going to progress to and not just be like, oh, well, they got an argument backstage, so next week they're going to fight. I guess, have our uh, attention spans really shortened this much that we can't do this anymore? Is that, or are they just assuming our attention spans have shortened this much? Is this, you know, is this the iPhone's fault, I guess, is my question. I don't know. I mean, the only other thing I can think of is that they're, that AEW does this because uh, they are more concerned about ratings than anything else. And so the only way they can get people to watch is if they have like a semi main event caliber match for every match. Right. And every match must have like a clean result. And that's, that's really what I hate. Like this, 
I know this is going to come out in several weeks, but we just had uh, Jungle Boy versus Jay Lethal on Dynamite, and Jungle Boy just gets a clean win on Jay Lethal, which which you know that pushes up Jungle Boy a bit, but it buries Jay Lethal so badly, mm-hmm. and he was just uh, holding a belt, and now they're just like trashing him again. So it's like we should have had a dirty finish on that or a disqualification heaven forbid a disqualification ever happens in an aew match (laughs) well you'd have to have rules first and they don't have any rules true they don't they don't enforce the rules at all yeah i I would welcome i would do cartwheels if a match ended in a uh in a count out on aew oh my god i'd call everyone i know i'd call people who are dead and tell them about it yeah like the uh this is past episode uh was it Moxley has Sammy Guevara up on the ropes forever. And yeah. like Bruce Remsburg just stops counting. Like he's on the ropes. That's he's not counting. Yeah. You're not, you're not allowed. Like he just, he hits five and then he just stops counting. <laughs> it's just for show. Right. Um, anyways. Yeah. No, like I said, there's, there's a, some super tight programming here and you know, you can say all you want about the WWE product these days and it's gotten bloated. It's, does a lot of the things that uh, we don't like that AEW does, honestly, like stretching things out way too long. Um, the entrances are ridiculous, but go back a little ways. They knew how to put a fucking television show together. You know, this is 40 minutes uh, for whatever it is after you cut out the commercials of, I mean, just wall to wall stuff happening. And it all kind of makes sense and advances various storylines without tiring you out, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, so after the, the Marty Jannetty, uh, destruction of a jobber, uh, like the jobber got zero offense on Marty Jannetty. Nope. It was just an ass kicking. Um, we get footage where it's another callback to old school wrestling presentation where we get footage from a house show of doink ambushing crush. Doink, doink, um, doink, doink, doink. <clears throat> Doink, 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 doink. And like the and that's one of the other things is that Bartlett can't say Doink's name. He constantly is calling him Dork the Clown. Dork, what's his name? Dork. They're like, no, it's Doink. Dork? Dork? No, it's Doink. So Doink the Clown uh has like a fake arm. Mm-hmm. And Crush goes to grab it and it comes out and like it stuns Crush, and then Doink takes the arm and beats Crush with it. Because it's filled with a lead pipe. (laughs) (laughs) This is why Doink the Clown is great. He ambushes and beats people up with a fake arm. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to fight with you on that one at all. That that was a hell of a spot. I I laughed and laughed and laughed. And that actually, that happened. There's more of that shit... um, when they get together at the, at the next WrestleMania too. Yeah. Um, and I, I was digging it. It's, it's a really good um, folding in of like typical clown shenanigans into professional wrestling. And I mean, I'm not going to be Doink's number one fan the way you are, but like I, uh, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting to really, I'm starting to appreciate the, the genius of the, that's approach. all I'm asking for is, is to appreciate Doink and understand that Doink is, is, is probably one of the last gimmicks that's played by multiple wrestlers. Yeah. And so it it also has that like kind of like because of that it has like the the lucha libre kind of feel to it where there's like been a bunch of different mil mascaras and a bunch of different blue demons just that yeah. like you earn that character, you become part of that character. Well, it's not necessarily the same with doink to where sometimes they do it to have <laughs> up to four different doinks at a time. It is used to uh, interesting strategies and causes chaos. Um, but sometimes they're not very good at hiding that it's a different doink. No, it becomes, not at all. <laughs> sometimes guys, it's very clear that it's a different Yeah, guy. The guys work differently. Um, they have different body shapes. I That just made me a thought. What if it's, uh, it became a mantle like Black Panther? What if somebody took the Black Panther movies and, and cut, cut doink in? <laughs> You must earn the doink. <laughs> if Black Panther 2 isn't about this, I'm going to be fucking pissed. We have a challenger to the doink. <laughs> we know we must go through blood combat to become the doink. 
gather the doink elders. It is time <laughs> for the doink challenge. <laughs> it's all different kinds of clowns sitting around. There's a sad clown. There's a hobo clown. There's a there's a French clown. And you take and you take a magical potion out of a squirting flower <laughs> that makes you pass out, and you visit the doink elders in the afterlife to become the current doink the current doink and the tournament ends when uh you remove your nose and hand it to your opponent (laughs) man this is fucking genius snatch the red nose off of their face (laughs) disney marvel studios call us we'll we'll talk we'll we'll sort this out oh my god it i mean at some point disney's going to buy wwe right I mean, Probably. it's either going to be Disney or, or Comcast is going to buy them, one or the other. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, that that was that diversion was worth it. That's that's yeah. a million dollar idea if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Let's get right in the script. Yeah. Trademark so, copyright. That's all. Calling it now. It's all yeah. our. It's ours. Our intellectual so, property. <laughs> so Mooney's outside with the repo man who's got Randy's hat. Randy is still apoplectic down by uh, ringside. He looks like he's going to burst a blood vessel about this hat. I'm really, I'm genuinely worried for him. He is so stressed out. Oh my yeah. God. He is. He's, he's a sensitive go- guy. As yeah. we've established. That's, that's my hat brother. Uh, <laughs> and this is where repo man says that macho man was late on his payments on his hat. And that's why the repo man took it. Um, what kind of financing options do you think is available on a hat? I don't know. I'm sure they charge, there's, what, 1.9 APR on it, probably? Yeah. Maybe it's like a 90 days, same as cash, 0%. Ooh. Yeah. From if you buy it during, uh, if you buy it during uh, Hatathon, you're, uh, you get a good deal. <laughs> you can use your Sears card. <laughs> anyway, I'm feeling punchy today. It's Friday. Yeah. It's, it's it's, fine. Yeah, it's Friday. It's, uh, we're watching... Monday Night Raw from 1993, where it's raw, uncooked, and uncensored. I'm regressing to the uh, 10th grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fine. So the last match on the second episode here is Tito Santana and his El Matador gimmick. Yay, Tito versus Ric Flair. Um, I'm I'm super excited about this. So this is, I'll just note that the Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall that we watched um, a while back. This was the uh, match so- of the night. This was a match of the night, and that took place in October of the same year. Yeah, this is January now, so just just keep that in mind. They've been maybe not feuding this whole time, but at the very least in each other's uh, orbit enough to have a another match like nine months later. And Tito actually comes out to like some mixed reaction. I don't think the crowd really wants these like career like things. At least the New York crowd doesn't care. They want Tito Santana. They don't want El Matador. Yeah, you know they want they want the Tito that you see in the late '80s, um, and I mean he still fights like that. So he's angry, he snaps quickly. He's got a fiery temper in the in the ring, and the crowd is really in the Ric Flair, big woos coming from the crowd and yeah. and cheering uh, and stuff. But but you can hear the little kids chanting for Tito during this match. Yeah, he's an American treasure. This yeah. is a good match. It's short, like all of them. Um, it ends in a, a schmaz, I guess. It ends in a no contest uh, when Mr. Perfect gets involved. But there's, you know, we've noted before, just absolute smoothness from these guys. Yeah. Just precision. Rick does a couple of his knee drops. Uh, he does a couple of his chops. Um, they just, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a nice little contest. I was enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. Bartlett claims that Ric Flair played Eddie Haskell and Leave It the Beaver. Um, not true. Not true at all. I don't even <laughs> understand how you would make that con- comparison. It is just proof that uh, Rob Bartlett knows zero about wrestling. He also starts doing a really insulting Mexican accent during the match, um, which is actually worse than uh, Jesse Ventura calling Tito Santana Chico the entire time. Uh, Flair takes a really rough bump to the floor in this classic fashion where he does the flip over the corner and then falls from the, from the apron off onto the floor. And that was really vicious looking. And then Tito goes for his, uh, flying forearm and Flair, uh, ducks and Tito goes flying over the ropes. But then that's when Mr. Perfect shows up and ambushes Flair. And that's when we get a, we spot. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Pat Patterson, mm-hmm. and I think possibly Rene Goulet coming out to 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 break up the chaos. 
and but we never get any kind of real resolution to the match there's no like announcement like so that's back in the day if something like that happens the crowd would at least get the ring announcer going the referee has decided this match has ended in a double disqualification or something like that but this is monday night raw and the match finish doesn't really matter nope and in fact they they come back out and keep fighting in the aisle like right. after the commercial. So the, you know, the implications they've been fighting this whole time through the commercial. Um, and then they come out and, uh, and challenge each other to a loser leaves a WWE match next week on raw. So get you hooked, bring you yeah. back next week. Um, Mr. Perfect and, is, is cutting just a hell of a promo there. Yeah. And flair screams, the WWF isn't big enough for me. Like it's so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I mean, this is, this is actually uh spoiler alert. This is the end of Flair's run first run in the WWF. Uh, this is, um, they've decided that Flair was not going to be working a main event program. And Flair had a verbal agreement with Vince McMahon that if he was not going to be used in the main event, he was welcome to renegotiate a contract with WCW and go back. And that is exactly what Flair does. Yeah, good and for him. This, and the next Monday Night Raw is going to have the Flair versus Mister Perfect uh, career match, and that is that is the exit of Ric Flair from WWF. Yeah, I will be queuing that up uh, probably today to watch um, because, like I said, I'm I'm hooked on this shit, and uh, this is this is worth watching for at least maybe through most of the first year of Raws. I think I would I would dig that. Um, I don't know if it would make sense to cut more episodes about uh, you know different raw um sections uh or maybe we should switch over to nitro at some point or uh, but i'm i'm definitely interested enough to keep watching a little bit yeah i mean i'm dying to for us to watch the first like two episodes of nitro and then also do a comparison of the first nitro or we can do the first nitro versus the first monday night or versus the monday night raw that aired against it that would also be i think a fun watch and fun discussion to have uh yeah that would be cool comparing the two products and stuff like that and this is where also the the edgy end the surprise like funny comedy bit the finish monday night raw kind of starts and they go off the air and the repo man is standing on the back of a tow truck that has a a uh, looks like a Bronco or something like that hooked up to it to be towed away. And Bartlett starts screaming, he's towing my car. That's my car. <laughs> like that is the very first to me funny thing that that Rob Bartlett said <laughs> on this show. Like that was the funniest bit he's done in these first two episodes was was repo man towing Bartlett's car. And, you know, now that we've done a lot of Barry Darso stuff, I'm suddenly really kind of digging repo man. And I feel bad (laughs) that like the ring stuff that they give repo man never turns out very good. But these segments of repo man stealing macho man's hat now towing Bartlett's car. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) That's good stuff. uh, He's the uh, predatory capitalist doink. Uh, as we do every episode, we like to just take a minute to pay tribute to the performers that we've seen uh, who are no longer with us. So our in-memoriam for Raw episodes 1 and 2 from January of 1993 include Randy and Macho Man Savage, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, Razor Ramon Scott Hall, Paul Bearer, ring announcer Howard Finkel, Brian Crush Adams, Bam Bam Bigelow, James Kamala Harris, Sensational Sherry Martell, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, Mean Gene Okerlund, Matt Bourne, who is Doink, and WWE Executive Pat Patterson. So, any final thoughts on these first two Raws before we wrap it up for today? It's the beginning of an era. Like, I feel so nostalgic. about it like i i remember watching these and i remember loving them for a lot of the reasons why we talked about we had the we have the story unfolding in front of you it's like a soap opera it's a story 
but it feels a little bit more real. All right. Like it, it feels, but it's not like being presented as like an athletic common, like contest as like a lot of the previous, uh, wrestling shows are now. I mean, at this time point in time though, States still have athletic commissions that are regulating professional wrestling. So it's still being viewed as somewhat real. Um, and you get the you get these little tastes of the old school with these these jumps to showing footage from from house shows, and over time that starts to fade a little bit, and all the action is really focused on Raw. It's kind of like how um, they establish a canon, like instead of having like these piecemeal stories that have to get told to you on like a, a weekly. Uh, afternoon show or like a Saturday morning or a Monday night uh, talk show format, the story is presented to you in real time. It's it's they establish a canon, they establish a storyline and a running thread that starts here on January 11th, 1993, and is still going almost 30 years later at this point. Yeah, those are really good observations. I think what was surprising to me is how modern it still felt. Like, there's some aspects to it that are dated and sort of the milieu, you know, the fashions, and obviously the the commentary hasn't aged particularly well. Uh, and, you know, there's dated references like, oh, Somalia, and oh, you know, GNC supplements or whatever. But, like, the presentation and the mix of kind of entertainment elements and the the wrestling and the way that that's put together and packaged i thought actually works incredibly well you know you could swap out um you know with a little bit of updating you could you could do this program now i think i don't know if i don't know how it would fit into the um the wrestling media scape at the moment but i i think there would be a market for a show like this i think rampage uh, when it first came out, I thought would try to do some of this stuff uh, because it is only an hour, but it's basically just a short version of Diamond. They just have three uh, matches that are way too long and some backstage shit that nobody cares about, and it's pre-taped. Um, I would rather watch like this <laughs> on a Friday night for Rampage than um, than what they're presenting at the moment. So anyway, I yeah, like I said, I, I really was digging it. I'm excited to watch some more because it is... Uh, new to me at least from this oh. this era um so i'm i'm into it yeah the, you hit on something that this is this is now the template for the modern wrestling show you can't put together a superstars anymore or a wwf prime time to where it's just clips of house shows that your wrestling promotion did and like have two commentators talk about it and like just tell you that, you know, Macho Man and and Jake the Snake are angry at each other. Like that that doesn't you couldn't that wouldn't fly anymore. And the closest that you have to that old school feel is the NWA's power show, um, which I love, but it's and it's a studio wrestling show, but it's still put together like monday night raw kind of is to where it's all sequential it all runs together as like one live production uh as opposed to various segments that have been taped at house shows and stuff like that to be shown in a clean organized fashion and so professional wrestling has come to to expect to look edgy and to push boundaries and to be more of a live presentation as opposed to clean segment shows. Um, and the WWE, you know, for a long time still had those segment shows, but they'd be frequently taped like the hour before Monday night raw. Like they would have Sunday night heat and stuff like that. That would be half and half. So they would be right. A couple matches that were filmed as dark matches and then some pre-taped segments in the back. Um, but you know, the modern day show is it. We watched it. We watched the very first one. <laughs> we saw the origin of modern wrestling in, in these episodes. And I think that is something very fascinating and something that uh, I feel like should be talked about more and broken down. Like um, 
yeah. an analysis of like because you can see the attitude era happening in the in the show some even though the attitude era is still three years off you can see why this would be so immensely popular and grow to where they would need to do full arena shows why they would add a second hour you can even see why they would add a third <laughs> hour of this. You would see, you can see why they would then add a Thursday night show mm-hmm. because a whole week has to transpire before you get any forwarding of the storyline again because all the storyline action happens on the show. And so right. the crowd, the, the fan base needs another show eventually. And of course, so SmackDown comes along. You can see why. This this has been on the air for 30 years because I think this is a wrestling show. These two, at least, are, are wrestling shows they can show to a person that is not yet a wrestling fan and convince them to start watching. Yeah, agreed. Well, I hope that folks have enjoyed just kind of taking this walk back to us to sort of the, as you know, Rich said, the origins of the modern wrestling TV program. Uh, I think it really is a momentous uh, thing and I've enjoyed going through it. Um, thanks for talking about it with me, Rich. Thanks for listening, folks. Um, as always, you can find us on the web at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can check us out on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. We love hearing from you. You can shoot us an email at alltherestlemanias at gmail.com. You can also find our Facebook and Instagram uh, accounts out there. We're easy enough to search for all the WrestleManias. We've always got something going on in those accounts. Usually a good conversation with our uh, listeners and wrestling fans. Rich posts some fun wrestling memes. Um, I try to tweet mean things that uh, current wrestling stars that we don't like uh, not not too mean but occasionally young um, bucks <clears throat> young bucks we're talking to you yeah um <laughs> so i hope you will uh you know check us out and and uh, and get in touch so for the moment though i'm your co-host tim hackman and i'm rich sigwald we're saying so long and we'll see you soon everybody